Hello, this is Saturday, March 23rd, 2019, and I'm continuing in my reading of uh, Robert Burton's The Anatomy of Melancholy. And here we're in the beginning still, uh, and this is uh, what I'll be reading today. To the reader, be pleased to know, courteous reader, that since the last impression of this book, the ingenuous author of it is deceased, leaving a copy of it exactly corrected, with several considerable additions by his own hand. This copy he committed to my care and custody, with directions to have those editions inserted in the next edition, which in order to his command and the public good is faithfully performed in this last impression. And the writer of that note is initial H.C. or uh, Henry Cripps. The following testimonies of various authors will serve to show the estimation in which this work has been held. Uh, This first quote is from Fuller's Worthies, folio 16. The anatomy of melancholy, wherein the author hath piled up variety of much excellent learning, scarce any book of philology in our land hath, in so short a time, passed so many editions. The next testimony is from Woods, Athenae, Oxenensius, Volume 1. Tis a book so full of variety of reading, that gentlemen who have lost their time and are put to a push for invention, may furnish themselves with matter for common or scholastical discourse and writing. This next is from Archbishop Herring's Letters, 1777. If you never saw Burton upon Melancholy, printed 1676, I pray look into it and read the ninth page of his preface, Democritus to the Reader. There is something there which touches the point we are upon but I mention the author to you as the pleasantest, the most learned, and the most full of sterling sense. The wits of Queen Anne's reign and the beginning of George I were not a little beholden to him. From Boswell's Life of Johnson, Volume 1. Burton's Anatomy of Melancholy, he, Dr. Johnson said, was the only book that ever took him out of bed two hours sooner than he wished to rise. And from the same Boswell's Life of Johnson, Burton's Anatomy of Melancholy is a valuable book, said Dr. Johnson. It is, perhaps, overloaded with quotation, but there is great spirit and great power in what Burton says when he writes from his own mind. And this is from Wharton's Milton. It will be no distraction from the powers of Milton's original genius and invention to remark that he seems to have borrowed the subject of Legro and Il Penseroso, together with some particular thoughts, expressions, and rhymes, more especially the idea of a contrast between these two dispositions. From a forgotten poem prefixed to the first edition of Burton's Anatomy of Melancholy, entitled The Author's Abstract of Melancholy, or A Dialogue Between Pleasure and Pain, here pain is melancholy, It was written, as I conjecture, about the year 1600. I will make no apology for abstracting and citing as much of this poem as will be sufficient to prove, to a discerning reader, how far it had taken possession of Milton's mind. The measure will appear to be the same. 
and that our author was at least an attentive reader of Burton's book, may be already concluded from the traces of resemblance which I have incidentally noticed in passing through the L'Arregro and Il Penseroso. After extracting the lines, Mr. Wharton adds, as to the very elaborate work to which these visionary verses are no unsuitable introduction, the writer's variety of learning, his quotations from scarce and curious books, his pedantry sparkling with rude wit and shapeless elegance, miscellaneous matter, intermixture of agreeable tales and illustrations, and, perhaps above all, the singularities of his feelings, clothed in an uncommon quaintness of style, have contributed to render it, even to modern readers, a valuable repository of amusement and information. From Granger's Biographical History The Anatomy of Melancholy is a book which has been universally read and admired. This work is, for the most part, what the author himself styles it, a cento, but it is a very ingenious one. His quotations, which abound in every page, are pertinent, but if he had made more use of his invention and less of his commonplace book, his work would perhaps have been more valuable than it is. He is generally free from the affected language and ridiculous metaphors which disgrace most of the books of his time. From Ferriar's Illustraticus of Stern. Burton's Anatomy of Melancholy, a book once the favorite of the learned and the witty, and a source of surreptitious learning, though written on a regular plan, consists chiefly of quotations. The author has honestly termed it a cento. He collects under every division the opinions of a multitude of writers, without regard to chronological order, and has too often the modesty to decline the interposition of his own sentiments. Indeed, the bulk of his materials generally overwhelms him. In the course of his folio, he has contrived to treat a great variety of topics that seem very loosely connected with the general subject, and, like Bale, when he starts a favorite train of quotations, he does not scruple to let the digression outrun the principal question. Thus, from the doctrines of religion to military discipline, from inland navigation to the morality of dancing schools, everything is discussed and determined. From the same book, the archness which Burton displays occasionally and his indulgence of playful digressions from the most serious discussions often give his style an air of familiar conversation, notwithstanding the laborious collections which supply his text. He was capable of writing excellent poetry, but he seems to have cultivated this talent too little. The English verses prefixed to his book, which possess beautiful imagery and great sweetness of versification, have been frequently published. His Latin elegiac verses addressed to his book shew a very agreeable turn for raillery. When the force of the subject opens his own vein of prose, we discover valuable sense and brilliant expression. Such is his account of the first feelings of melancholy persons, written probably from his own experience. And this last quote is a manuscript note of the late George Stevens Esquire in his copy of The Anatomy of Melancholy. During a pedantic age, like that in which Burton's production appeared, it must have been eminently serviceable to writers of many descriptions. 
Hence the unlearned might furnish themselves with appropriate scraps of Greek and Latin, whilst men of letters would find their inquiries shortened by knowing where they might look for what both ancients and moderns had advanced on the subject of human passions. I confess my inability to point out any other English author who has so largely dealt in apt and original quotation. So with that, I'm going to end today's broadcast. And tomorrow, um, I'm going to delve into some of these prefix-type poetry um, that Dr. Burton used uh, before he actually started his book. So, be well. Have a good day.